Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode when we are going to talk about drawing from photographs versus drawing from life. But as always, before we get onto that, we want to say thanks to everyone who's been sharing their work with us on social media this month. And I've been loving how Gabriella Pop has been approaching her daily self-portraits for the Quick Kicks Challenge. So she's doing the Kick 365 Challenge, which is where you draw one thing every day for 365 days. And what she's doing is she's using all of the monthly challenges to kind of mix it up a bit. Um, I'm pretty sure, I think she's past the 300 mark now, isn't she? I'm sure she is. I'm not sure. I think she is. <clears throat> but this month, um, her brush portraits, I mean, she's doing obviously the quick kicks um, where you go straight in with a brush. And I don't know, I feel like her portraits have kind of gone up an, a level by doing that. They've been really great. I mean, she must know her face so well by now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't she think I can look at my face that much. <laughs> no, no, it's really interesting, actually, because, I mean, I, I swear if I saw her in the street now, I'd go, oh, it's Gabriella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been seeing her, her face every day for, well, since we started kicking the creators, I think. But they've been really, really good. Um, also, Sarah Willis-Wood. Oh, she made me laugh. She drew a really nice little sketch of her toilet, which made me chuckle. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to her, you know, we've got exactly the same toilet. <laughs> but I mean, so, to, be, to be fair, she didn't just do that just because she felt like drawing a toilet. The, the prompt was flush, wasn't it? It was flush. It was flush, yeah. But that, that made me laugh. What about you? What's caught your eye? And actually thinking about it, I bet you deliberately put that prompt in to be flush because you wanted people to draw toilets, didn't you? Oh, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we saw many toilets, though. I think we only saw the one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm loving the watercolours by Joanna Bichowski. Bichowics? I don't know how you say that. Sorry, Joanna. I can't pronounce it either. But I really like, she did a mushroom and pear that was really lovely. But she's been doing some really, really nice watercolours. Were you going to say something about hers as well? No. <laughs> oh, well, you sort of said something. Was that how to pronounce her name? You I was going to say I can't pronounce her name either. Oh. But no, I have been seeing her her watercolours as well, and they are brilliant. And also, I really like Ruth Inman's postcard that she sent to Bradley Bergen. I don't know if you saw I that. Didn't, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, it's kind of a floral one. That's really nice. And also, I just want to give a quick mention that I really like the crafty book holder that Cheryl Martin created. And she did it as a project with a lady that she works with who she's got Alzheimer's and she's sort of, I think she's one of her carers. So that, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, um, I saw that. That was really good. Anyway, what is new with you? Well, I had my exhibition. Do you remember last yeah. time we were talking about the fact I yeah. had an exhibition coming up? And... Um, I sold a painting on the first night, so I was well chuffed. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. You wouldn't tell me anything about this because you wanted to save it for the show. So this is all new to me as well. Yeah. So um, I was absolutely petrified, as you know, and decided yeah. about two weeks before the exhibition that I was never, ever, ever going to do another one again because I, was, I wasn't sleeping. I was just awful. I've, you know, I, I, as I said before, I hate to bore anyone with the same thing, but showing your work online is a very different thing than kind of inviting people and saying you know oh come and have a look and then standing there and and watching their face when they see it it's like no it's not me you know so I was really really worrying about that and also I was worried that people would look at it and think eh, it's all right <laughs> but the actual um, reality of it was it was fantastic it was so so good and um, the guy that owns the um, place where it was held he was so helpful and he did these he did these really beautiful silver labels as well with all the info about the um, paintings and how much they were. And it just looked really, really lovely. And um, so we had some nibbles and we got in some Prosecco so everyone could have a glass of Prosecco when they walked in. And um, then I met uh, a girl that I've been 
in touch with actually for about 10 years um, online. We've just sort of chatted on and off. I think she's very often commented on my, my stuff and vice versa. And her name was Catherine. And um, she turned up at the exhibition. And I was, do you know what, when, when we first started sort of following each other, I thought she was in America because it seems a lot of people that I chat to and chat to me are from America. So I just kind of had an assumption that she was American. But um, turns out she lives 20 minutes up the road. That's amazing, isn't it? I know, it really is. So we're going to meet up again at some point, like in the spring, and walk our dogs because she lives right round near a kind of lake. Or no, it's a reservoir, so... um, so that'd be really nice. But I was so chuffed that she came. I mean, it was really nice to see someone I've been talking to. But I was a bit embarrassed because what happened was she walked in with her friend and I assumed she was um, a friend of Kerry's, who is the girl I was doing the exhibition with, because I'd never seen her before. And I was actually talking to someone else at the time. So I couldn't just sort of drop who I was speaking to and going in, you know, say hello or anything like that. And I just assumed that Kerry would go over at some point while I was chatting to the you know the people that talked to me and then about 10 minutes later she came over to me and said I'm Catherine I was like oh god I feel (laughs) awful but of course I wouldn't know who she was because her um profile picture as I think I mentioned in the last podcast is one of her illustrations so I hate that when people don't put a picture up because I've had that with some some of the meetups that I've organised. You get someone who they've got no picture or they've got a picture Mm. of something completely random. It's awful, isn't it? Well, I knew that she she told me she was coming, but the problem was, and my thoughts were, I'm just going to look at everyone that comes in and assume that one of them is going to be her. But my nerves totally took over me when I was in there. And I just didn't even give it, it sounds awful, I didn't give it a thought because I was just so nervous. But um, And it was chucking it down with rain as well. And it was freezing cold and dark. And I thought, you know what, we're going to be lucky if anyone turns up, apart from mums and dads and sisters and brothers and all that sort of thing, because the weather was so horrible. But actually, it, it the room filled up. It was lovely. We had loads of people coming and going. Um, I guess about 100 people um, in Did you and have out. people you didn't know, just like randoms? Yeah, or? Uh, yeah well... Yeah. A few a few people came to do with the shop owner who love art. The the painting I actually sold was the painting I've just finished, which if anyone follows me at all will know that that's a um the hand holding the whiskey glass. And which was barely dry, actually. <laughs> so I had to, I, luckily, it, he, he doesn't need it until the end of the exhibition, which is um, the end of the month. So I've managed to whisk the painting away for 24 hours to get it professionally photographed so that I can get prints made. Um, and I had a print done yesterday and they're really, they're a perfect match for the painting. So I'm really happy with that. But yeah, we both said if we sell a painting, you know, we'll be happy. And we both sold a painting, which was oh, brilliant. Oh, that's good. So, I didn't yeah. know Kerry had sold one as well. Yeah, she sold one as well. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really good. So And and I walked out of there thinking, yeah, I, do you know what? I'd do another one. Whereas I did think <laughs> I was never going to do this again. But, you know, it's, it was really so, nice. So when's the next one then? Oh, I, do you know, I think if I did one again, though, it'd be in the summer where... Yeah. You yeah. know, because I do think as well, if the weather had been even better, more people would have come, you know. Can you do it in London or somewhere where it's easy for me to get to? Can you imagine how much it would cost to hold an <laughs> exhibition <Yeah>. in London? <laughs> I'll hold it in Kettering. Yeah, that would be cheap. <laughs> cheap in Kettering. Yeah. Um, and of course, um, in other news, I've now got a new painting on the go. So really, really happy. It's been one of those paintings that, you know, when you sort of just do something, it kind of falls off the brush and it's like, it's an image that I've had, I've wanted to do for a long, long time, but I've never got around to it. And sometimes you know that you want to do it, but you don't quite feel like doing it yet. And then all of a sudden you're like, that's what I feel like doing. It's one of those. And um, it's basically um, one of those paintings where I've just, it just has been almost effortless to get to the point where the upper layers are going on. So I'm really happy about that because that's not always the case. Sometimes it's a bit of a fight. Of course, I could be, you know, in for a fight when it comes to the upper layers. I don't know. But um, I wonder if that's because you're in such a, a good frame of mind from the exhibition. It might have been because I started it the day after the exhibition. And I think I went into the studio with this new confidence, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. But so, some paintings just go like that. They just, 
they just seem to work straight away and there's not too much of a fight. But um, I did say it'd go to your head, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until the, until the next disaster and then I'll be back to square one, yeah. No, so that's that's good. Um, and, oh, I'll tell you what else. I don't know if you're watching it. I'm not, we've talked about this before, haven't we? What's um, that? Landscape Artist of the Year. I said I'd been recording them. Yeah, you know, I wasn't that bothered about it. And then... I did record them anyway, and I started watching them, and it's actually been quite good. And I saw the one, did you see the one where they had silver balls in this really... Yeah, that was, that's up the road from me, Hurstman Zoo. Oh, is that, it? Yeah, you know the Hurstman Zoo <laughs> castle? No. Uh, well, that's the well the one, the episode you're watching is of the science um, place, yeah, isn't it? conservatory or something. Con- yeah, the observatory. observatory <laughs> did you say the conservatory? conservatory. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the observatory, and that is also in Hurstman Zoo. Um, and Hurstman Zoo Castle is the next episode. Well, that is about 15 minutes from my house, 15, 20 minutes from my house. Um, yes. I think I might have seen that one as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Hurstman Zoo Castle is gorgeous. My so friend got married. You didn't go. There. You didn't go down there and paint your landscape as I a did. wild card. <laughs> I didn't even know it was on. I uh, had no idea it was on there. But well, those the, balls. The balls that I thought you would love that. Those balls. Well, I said to Paul when we were watching it. I said, you know what? I'm not into painting landscapes at all. But I said that's a landscape I would love to paint because I love those giant silver balls. Yeah. And you know, because I love painting marbles, don't I? And I thought, oh, that that would make me want to paint that landscape. So they definitely got one that I would have liked to have tried. Yeah. Um, but I don't know about you. Normally, when I watch this sort of thing, you know, the artists are pretty just normal people who paint. Yeah. I, I've got to be careful how I say this, but. <clears throat> Paul couldn't barely even watch the first episode because he said, "I this is just... I won't even repeat what he said. But there was a lot of pretentiousness going on, I felt. Do you know which one I mean? Which... What were they painting at the time? Okay, so, so the first episode, there were two people in it, two contestants who I feel are probably the reason people feel the way they do about artists and think that we all wear woolly hats and Was this when they were painting plats. the balls, though? Was this which No, language? it was the first one of the series. I can't remember where, the, where, where they I were I might painting. have missed that one, I think. So you I should go back, go back right. and watch it. There was a guy. Okay, there's one contestant. I don't know how anyone else feels about this. Maybe this is just me. But there was one contestant who decided... And he may have been doing it for a bit of banter, which then that I totally get. But I don't think he was. He was... He was dressed up as a chef, <laughs> and he um, next to him was set up. He put all these kind of cakes and biscuits on a tray and a rolling pin, and he was sort of saying, "I want to get into the mind of a chef because in front of me is my ingredients, meaning the landscape, and I've got to mix those ingredients to create something." And so he put his chef's hat on and then there comes a point in the painting where he's doing a normal painting, but then he starts lobbing eggs at it. And, <laughs> and I, I just, Paul just said to me, for God's sake. <laughs> it sounds like it's just a tension thingy. But the, the um, episodes after that have been fine. What about you anyway? What's, what's new with you? Well, we went to London again, didn't we? I don't think we've talked about that. Oh, no. I've forgotten all about that. It seems like a lifetime ago already, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> because we've been kind of twice in like a month, haven't we? Within months. Yeah. Because we, we wanted, wanted to get s- another one in, didn't we? Yeah, before Christmas, yeah. Yeah. So we went to London, had a sketching trip, and we made a little bit of a video, but we meant to take more footage, didn't we? And as always, we forgot. Um, but we took, there's a bit of one of those on Narkick Sunday, if you want to grab a look. But we just went to Covent Garden, didn't we? Dream Musicians. With yeah. Embankments. You didn't feel like you had a very good day, did you? Bad day at the office for me. Really had yeah. a really good day, but not such a good day in the the sketchbook. Although I don't mind the one because we went to the food market, didn't we, at the South Bank? We actually stumbled across it. Yes. And that was great because we got a perfect seat, didn't we? Perfect bench. Yeah. Perfect bench. It was um, freezing. It was freezing, but it was the sun was out and there was all the different food stalls and course there were people queuing, um, which gave us an opportunity to sketch people without them moving around too much. And yeah, I didn't mind that sketch, but most of mine 
<laughs> I just you know when you have a day where you're like oh yeah that one's all right I quite like that and you flick through and you remember it like I've got one um sketchbook where we had our last trip to when we went to London Trafalgar Square and I love looking at that it's like oh I really enjoyed that sketch yeah I don't mind that sketch but god when I came back from that day I was like oh dear <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because I was trying to experiment more with different types of pens and stuff like that and maybe I was trying to stray too far from the style I've come used to I suppose yeah, I think we'd been well. We'd been both watching tutorials, haven't we? So we'd both sort of tried to throw some of that in, and some of it was working. I had a few disasters as well, but I was so I was using a mechanical pencil to draw first, but very very loosely, and then go in with pen. And some of that actually started working for me. I think. Yeah. Still not where I want to be, but I had some say real flops, but then some were. Oh, you know, that is actually getting there. I think. I still don't think I'm getting expression. I need to get more expression in faces. They look a bit nothing, I think, at the moment. But I suppose that will get there as well. That's all practice, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. But we keep saying we're going to use colour, don't we? Yeah, and I mean... watercolour. But, but <sighs> we never do. We never get the watercolours out. And I think we ought to, next time, we ought to <laughs> say, right. <laughs> we are going to us, do it. We are getting... Yeah. No, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. I think the problem I had that day is I was so comfortable with how I evolved my sketching and it was so loose and quick and I kind of really liked that. But then, like you say, we've been looking at things and thinking, oh, I'd really like to experiment with this, really like to experiment with that. And I think teetering on the edge of our subjects, I think what's a good thing to do is practice those techniques I suppose experimental things from photographs and then take it outdoors and start doing it from life but I think what I've done is gone from doing what I normally do to suddenly going outdoors and going right I'm going to try something new and then wondering why it just hasn't worked yeah that's so true because like, I've been doing the mechanical pencil thing do you call a mechanical pencil what yeah do you, you do and I've got one and I tried that in London it doesn't work for me I like to go straight in with a pen because I feel like it loses its spontaneity once I've done the pencil marks yeah but for me I think yes I do like going in straight with a pen but I was finding that this helped me plan a little bit yeah and I was going very loose and but I'd been practicing that because I'd been watching some videos where someone was doing that sort of so they'd start with a mechanical pencil mm. so I, I've been practicing just drawing poor old Kevin he'd been getting drawn over and over again while we were away once and also at home I'd been drawing him and then going over in pen so I guess I had practiced that a little bit mm. first so I was finding that was working a bit for me, but wasn't the woman, the opera singer, we saw this opera singer, we were in Covent Garden, who was completely bonkers, wasn't she? Oh, in, a yeah. good, in a good way, in a really good way. Brilliant. She was so good. Wasn't she singing, singing to a puppet stuffed monkey bird. or something? Oh, was it a it's bird? It's a bird. Yeah, oh, bird. yes, that's right, she was dancing with it at one point, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, because we, we, they have buskers. If you haven't been to Covent Garden, or if you're in the US or whatever, they have buskers. But I, I guess they have some sort of arrangement with these sort of restaurants around it, don't they? So you can tell they, they're official for that place, yeah. but they don't get paid. They just get paid by whatever people give them. So we were drawing them. But yeah, this opera singer, I did a dreadful drawing of her, actually, with the, with the bird. Is that the which... one you you inconspicuously tore out? <laughs> no, that one was actually... I tore one of them out. <laughs> I left the second one. That's still bad, though. I think I tore it out yesterday. But yeah... <laughs> I won't be showing anyone that one. So, well, it's yeah. interesting because that sketchbook I took to London was a new sketchbook, which turned out that it didn't work very well with watercolours anyway when I tried a bit of water, or rather inks or anything like that. It wasn't that great. But um, I, because I started that sketchbook in London and the first few pages were so bad, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to use that for... I'm just going to get another one. <laughs> Are you bad. just going to do messing about in that one then? Or are you yeah. not going to use it? Yeah, I, I just will mess about in it and, and experiment, you know. That's that's what I do like about those little tiny, you know, those really thin A5 ones I get, yeah. like they're a pound. Yeah. At least, like, if you start one of those and it's a disaster, you think, ah, oh, well, yeah. you know, start another one. It's not like it was 20 pounds or something. No, no. but, but it, I am like that as well because if I take a sketch pad out and I don't like something in it, I then don't want to take it out again. So I end up with loads, just yeah. little ones even like that, where I've yeah. just got like five drawings in them. Yeah, it's, no, I, I like to fill them up. Yeah. If I can. I mean, generally, I don't mind having a couple of bad sketches in out of ten. It doesn't bother me at all. It's when you've got 
one ten. good one <laughs> ten <laughs> bad ones it's like oh god <laughs> yeah i think you were being too hard on yourself oh, okay. yeah. maybe maybe we also need to just give a quick thank you to our new Kofi supporters oh, we've yeah. had um danny chen uh, an anonymous donator your brother-in-law andy yes. fountain yeah yeah we had victoria chan Colleen Beers, and then we haven't made videos yet for these two, but we also had Sandra Ridgewell and Marsha Furman. So thank you ever so much for your support. And what Kofi is, is just a website where you can go on and give a donation that's equivalent to a coffee just to support us and that helps pay for things like well making obviously the frothy coffee moustache which is obviously of highly important but <laughs> also for things like paying for our hosting and our, our podcast hosting as well things like that so yeah, thank no, you ever so much for that and i think <laughs> we were chatting earlier i think now people are just just donating just so they can see us covered in cream on video <laughs> <laughs> there was one where I, I didn't have an, a creamy enough coffee so I had to I had to use a squirty cream for my fridge to make my moustache people are going to wonder what we're on about <laughs> basically what we said was anyone who um who kindly donates some uh, a few quid in the Kofi, we would say thank you with a frothy coffee moustache and then video ourselves saying thank you and uh, yeah, so I spent my, I said before, didn't I? I said I'm spending a lot of time now with baby wipes <laughs> in my bag, <laughs> wiping my face. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. So today we are talking about drawing from life versus drawing from photographs. And I think actually this comes at a, quite a good time, actually, because we've been doing a lot of both, haven't we, recently? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think drawing from life is quite a different skill to drawing from photographs. And um, obviously, because of our sketching trips, we've started drawing a lot more from life than we used to. And I think that really makes you realise what a different experience it actually is. And I do think it's easy to rely on photographs for practice. And while there's nothing wrong with drawing from photographs at all, it is important, I think, um, to also practice drawing from life as much as you can. But why? Why is it important, you might think? So... I think for a start, photographs, well, I know that they can distort perspective. And uh, we had an interesting chat about this, didn't we, on a recent podcast episode with Ian Fenley, um, who's an urban sketcher. And he talked quite a bit um, about just how much photographs can be deceiving. And it's worth going back and having a listen to that one if you haven't already, because he sort of explains um, a lot about that, I think. Um, yeah, episode 48, that one. Yeah, but it's it's something you've got to be careful of when you're working from photographs. You often have to think quite hard about, you know, whether or not what you're seeing in front of you in the photograph is what would actually be in front of you if you were drawing from life, particularly when it comes to the edges of buildings and things like that. You know, not everything goes straight up and down when you're looking you know, at it with your eyes as opposed to a camera. And I'll tell you what, I'll give you an example um, about this. And this is to do with the painting I'm, I'm doing at the moment as we speak. So I always wanted to draw wine being poured, uh, you know, and catching the pouring moment. I wanted this painting to be, um, to have flames, you know, fire flames and, and all that. And basically one day I said to Paul, where can I take this photograph? He said, why don't we go down the pub and um, buy a bottle of wine, pour, pour it in front of their big roaring fire and the girl behind the bar is a photographer so she can advise on how we take the shot rather than just trying to get one at home. So we went to the pub and I spoke to the girl who, who was the photographer said, right, can you just tell me what settings I need to put my camera on to be able to capture this moment where the, you know, the, the wine flows from the bottle and it freezes rather than just blurs. She said, do you know what? I've got my camera upstairs. Why don't you pour the wine and I'll take the shot? Which I thought was oh, brilliant. Cool. So there we were in front of the roaring pub fire, put this glass in front of the fire and I poured the wine. Got far more wine on the table than I did in the glass. <laughs> but she was the one taking the photographs, which was brilliant. And, and I had a look because obviously you can't do that from life. It's impossible because, well, it's obvious why you can't you can't draw something like paint something like that from life. Um, if you were painting a glass of wine, that's fine. But if you're drawing movement, then you can't. So I had to have a photograph. We got some fantastic shots and... There was two I really liked, so I've kind of had to merge the two photographs within a painting, 
one of them I liked how the wine was in the glass and the other one I liked how it was coming out of the bottle so that's how what I've had to think about but I was looking at my underpainting and just working on the overlayers and I stood back from my painting and I thought do you know what there's something not right and I can't put my finger on what it is what is wrong with this this painting and then I realized that the neck of the bottle um it was sort of like well it kind of I don't know flaccid is the word it kind of looked flaccid do you know what I mean where it's just slightly it almost looked floppy and I thought what (laughs) what is wrong with you know why why is it looking like that I don't understand (laughs) (laughs) have I used a word (laughs) was that the wrong word chuckling away in the background i know what i mean it, okay. it kind of looks slightly bent <laughs> oh dear and um anyway so i looked at the photograph that i was working from and sure enough it had exactly the same look in the photograph and what had actually happened is the the glare from behind you know the bottom where the flames were sort of creating a white haze had sort of distorted that bottleneck to a point where it looked, you know, slightly droopy. So I'm going to have to start, I'm going to have to edit you lot out laughing in the background. I don't know how else to put it. But I realised, I realised that, um, you know, whether or not that was how it looked in the photograph, I'm going to have to change that in the actual painting because even though that is how your eyes were or the photograph was sort of seeing it I sometimes you have to do what's right for the painting and not what you're actually seeing in front of you do you know what I mean so um yeah I'm having to kind of I dare to say it I don't know how to (laughs) I'm having to straighten it up (laughs) having to straighten this bottleneck oh god yeah i'm having to kind of straighten the bottleneck up a bit oh god are we gonna have to record that bit again anyway right (laughs) i've got to i've got to make it look like how it should look even though i know it's a rule that we all say you know you draw what you see but sometimes you you can't do that sometimes you've actually got to draw what is in front of you and sometimes you've got to draw what works for the painting and what doesn't work for the painting is a a floppy bottle (laughs) (laughs) it's just artistic license isn't it and i take it if you actually got the proper bottle in front of you had you still got the bottle no because it was at pub (laughs) oh no i didn't know if you'd brought it home the bottle no, I hadn't drawn because it's completely different light, and actually the glare—it's the glare from behind the right. bottle that's sort of making the edges hazy, which is why it kind of looks sort of bent. Do you know what I mean? Well, things at the edges of photos—if you've got a wide-angle lens as well—things at the edges kind of have a slight bend to them, don't they? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, like definitely. If you look at estate agents' pictures, and obviously we've had our house yeah. on the market. You get um, like a toilet looks massively stretched, doesn't it? How yeah taking the shot yeah. so you can tell how much it distorts yeah, exactly and not only that but i mean photographs they don't pick up color in the same way as your eyes do so camera can be really deceptive in that way as well i mean your eyes are going to pick up far more information than a camera ever can and if you think about it when you take a photograph the camera is basically freezing the scene in front of you in a moment whereas your eyes even if you think your eyes are still they're, they're constantly moving around even if you don't notice it and because of that they're taking in so much more information than a camera ever can i mean also i find that a camera obviously can help you get a good composition because obviously yeah. you take that one position it defines where the boundaries are of the edges and i find so that's great if i if i've got a photo there in front of me i can draw out that photo and it's not too much of an issue you might be a little bit of rearranging but you know i can do that fine but then if i go and look at the same scene it's so much harder and i have a real tendency to make certain things too big say i'll start off drawing and then it's like ah it doesn't quite fit on the page so now i'm having to make a real conscious effort to look at it and almost define a border in my head if that makes sense yeah that's where those little um viewfinders are helpful aren't they when you're outdoors yeah i mean i have actually seen artists say to use your phone 
to find the view, but then don't use that as your view, if you know what I mean. So you're using that as your viewfinder yeah. to, de- to define your boundaries. But I think that is, that's a skill in itself, isn't it? D- to, work out, to work out your composition without the aid of yeah. a photograph. Definitely, and, yeah. And I think that that must really improve your drawing once you get the hang of that, to be able to position things without having to have that. Because basically, I guess it's an aid, isn't it? The, the photograph is almost like a painting aid. Not to yeah. say that's wrong, but it does the work for you. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think, for me, for myself, I think I need to learn to do that a lot better than I do at the moment. Yeah. And I think also drawing from life, it forces you to interpret 3D as 2D because the camera automatically flattens everything. So you have to work out, okay, what comes forward and obviously how does that affect how you interpret it? So when we were in London, do you remember I drew, we were the food bit what's yeah. it called the food, food market. market yeah yeah and there was that queue and you said to me you need to make the person at the front darker the first a, it, person at yeah. the back of the queue so yeah nearer, the back closest closest nearest me yeah. yeah you need to make her darker so so when I got home I did that I pulled her out so and it really does bring it forward but in a photograph you would it would probably already be interpreted for you you'd probably well, get that yeah not necessarily though um Sometimes the photograph doesn't do that, but you need to do that for the purpose of the painting. You've got to, because the photograph is two-dimensional, isn't it? And you need to make a photograph three-dimensional, whereas, you know, you've got to kind of put that depth in. And it's a bit like when you're drawing loads of trees, obviously the ones in the background are going to, they're going to be slightly hazier and bluer. They might not be in a photograph because sometimes photographs don't, don't do that. And you have to... yeah. I you guess have. it depends what setting you have your, your camera yeah. on, doesn't it? Because obviously you can have your camera where you focus on the foreground element mm. so it pushes the rest, Back. which is more how you'd interpret something if you were doing it yourself yeah. in a drawing or a painting or how you should interpret it. Mm. But yeah, I know what you mean. Sometimes it just basically puts everything in focus, doesn't it? Yeah, and you've got to... It's like when you draw from life, you'll naturally place more focus and detail on what's immediately important to you, what you liked about what you were seeing, rather than what the camera decides, it, you know, should be featured the most. For example, if you're drawn to, say, I don't know, a tangle of telephone, wire, telephone wires or something in the corner of a building or a, a signpost or whatever, your eyes will be taking those important details in and not really focusing so much on anything else. It, the rest will be secondary, whereas, you know, the camera will give equal focus and detail to the surroundings as well. And it could almost make you forget what was important to you about the scene in the first place by the time you come to draw it so I think that's another thing to think about you know when you're looking from life I think you're you're going to home in on that more you're going to place more attention to detail on that thing that you you liked about that scene yeah I guess that comes back to the composition thing a bit as well doesn't it it's almost like you need to look at that scene in front of you and decide, oh, I really like that building, that, that's got prominence. How can I place that within a view that's going to look good? Yeah. And it, there's much more thinking involved in that, isn't there, than taking a camera out. Now, a photographer won't like me for saying that, but than taking your camera out. Because with a camera, you could just quickly go and take 10, 20 shots, couldn't you, and look at them and decide. Whereas you've really got to think about it if you're drawing from life because obviously it'll take you too long unless you do little one one thing you can do actually is do little thumbnails yeah i do that for graphics more than with drawing but i've seen other artists do little tiny drawings i don't know if you do this with your stuff just to plan things out yeah i think a lot of people do that for landscapes more i think um yeah i used to do that but now i suppose i've got more of an eye for what i want to do anyway yeah it just depends it depends as well it depends sometimes like I say I have to draw from photographs but we will talk about that you were talking about drawing people um I think when you're drawing people or anything else like animals and anything that's moving um from life you've got to try and capture the motion haven't you and you've got to almost store that image in your head which can be really tricky but I think the more you practice drawing from life the easier it becomes because it exercises your visual memory and eventually you'll be able to kind of hold that information in for a a longer time so you can perhaps finish a drawing 
even though someone's disappeared. And the problem with a photograph is, is again, it freezes the action and quite often you're left with a static drawing as a result, which it doesn't capture that energy that a drawing from life does. I mean, if you remember that, I keep going back to that sketch that I did of Trafalgar Square where I did lots of people. Some of them were sitting on a bench and some of them were sort of up above the wall. Um, I couldn't have got that same energy in that sketch had I have done that from a photograph. But I, I think the beauty of that sketch comes within the fact that I was having to adapt to people moving and it kind of has an energy that I don't think it would have done otherwise. You know, if, if, if I'd have drawn that from a photo, I think it would have been static. And it's so different. The result of a drawing like that is so, so different, I think. And it, like I say, it's evident in my own sketchbook. So when I compared the drawings I did of those people milling around to the ones I've sketched from a similar scene but from a photo they just have a completely different feel I've, I've realized lately I think that I prefer the drawings that I've done of people moving around a bit more than the ones I've drawn of perhaps people in a cafe even though they're from life because somehow I think the movement comes across so much more probably because I'm following their movements with my lines and I've got less time to think about what I'm doing and that seems to work better for me than perhaps sitting there you know looking at someone just sitting down so that's interesting to me because drawing people, you know, walking around used to put the fear of God into me. I mean, I can't capture that, but now I actually think I prefer it. Yeah, I think I prefer it when, in general, when people are a little more static rather than walking around. Hmm. But I really did enjoy drawing the musicians in Covent Garden. There was, um, there was a trio, wasn't there? And they were yeah. playing violins, a double bass. What was the guy playing? He was another violin as well, wasn't he? It wasn't one of them a... What's those big, great, big... Double bass? Ob- Is it a double bass? Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to say an oboe, but that's a great big <laughs> clarinet <laughs> thing, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Yeah, it's but a what, bit... what was interesting about them is that they obviously they were moving around quite a bit as you know as performers, but they did keep coming back to similar movements. So I was trying to capture. I'd try and remember it in my head, and then wait for it to come round again. And it, you know, it's not a great sketch, but I really enjoyed it because I felt like even though it didn't look anything like them, I'd kind of captured a little bit of movement in it. And like you say, you just wouldn't get that. Or you would have to, if you were drawing that from a photo, you would have to try and input that into it, wouldn't you? You'd yeah. have to try and, I don't know, create some sort of line lines of movement or something within it. More, It'd be more forced, I think. I tried, well, I, I drew those, those musicians as well. And I don't like dealing with instruments at all. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't, because... I think where I'm used to drawing people, yeah, you know, if their leg moves, I can still... Re- I, I know what a leg would look like. <laughs> right, I can just go with the flow, whereas I'm kind of like, well, okay, where are the hands going? I don't know how somebody would um, hold an instrument unless I'm staring at them doing it. But once he's moved around, I can't remember where his hands were. I can't remember what the tip of a... I don't know, a, a double bass looks like. So that's where I struggled. I struggled with the instruments because I'm not familiar with them at all, whereas I'm familiar with a figure, so that I don't find a problem. Yeah, but I guess I guess the more you drew them, if you studied musicians and kept on drawing them, you would get it, wouldn't you? Yes, like, exactly. I'm sure if, if someone looked at my drawing, they'd go, well, there's no way you play yeah. play an instrument like that they've got their hands right up the, you know where it yeah, shouldn't be that's what bloody, i mean that's yeah. what i mean yeah but i don't think it matters because i think when you're drawing something like that unless you're going because it's just a sketch isn't it yeah. all you're going i just for do is, a stick with a few knobs on the end it's <laughs> <laughs> capturing the moment isn't it and exactly to me i get a lot more I don't know, pleasure or I don't know what you say. It's like a lot more of a sense of achievement that I've drawn that than if I'd taken a photo of those people and then drawn it. Even though if I'd, have t- if I'd put the two side by side and if I'd drawn the people from a photo, they'd look a lot better. Yeah. I know they would. Yeah. But because uh, I would have probably spent a, lot, a bit longer on it and I would have been able to see exactly where everything go, you know, where their arms go, where yeah. their legs go. But it wouldn't have the same sense of achievement for me yeah no i i agree I, I feel exactly the same i was just gonna say the light as well that that changes so much as well doesn't it which yeah. makes such a difference to something as well it does 
I think when it's um, when you've got lots of light and shadow, it makes things a lot easier to draw. I think. Um, but just quickly, uh, going back to what you were saying about drawing people moving and, and musicians, there are things you can look up on YouTube. Things like um, I don't know, you could look up musicians in a band or singer or something like that, and you can actually practice, I suppose, drawing people moving from those videos this is just a thought that's come up into my head now yeah i mean what you could also do is try and put things on a loop i'm not sure i'm sure there's apps that you can do this with you could just put on a small section i can do it in in a a video app put on a small section maybe 10 seconds or something and just keep looping that so you can draw it still not quite the same because you haven't got that depth still but you've you've got that you're at least practicing moving targets yeah and i i was watching a while back some tutorials with a woman and she was all about the line of action and yeah. it was just capturing that and to be honest i didn't like some of her drawings but i did like the energy she got in her drawings yeah if that makes sense mm. but the whole idea of that was that you were just going for this very quick line that kind of caught the essence of yeah you know the way their body was going and I could see how that would work to sort of build up and capture something from. Yeah, I used to do that when I used to draw um, a lot of ballerinas, just used to start with that line, that energy line, and yeah. um, that, that works. And it, quite often I'd exaggerate it as well in a drawing. It's, sometimes that's, that works really well. But I think drawing from life, you know, it's not just about drawing moving things. Obviously it can be drawing anything. It could be your cup of tea, it could be a statue, it might be a building or your breakfast. It can be anything at all. But, you know, because it's from life, you'll still see things differently. You know, there's a depth, like I said, that you just can't get from a photograph. And also when you take a photo, you know, it's composed for you, like you said before. Whereas when you draw from life, it's not so set in stone. You can play around with it a bit more, move things around leave things in, leave things out, you can change your mind. You know, you're not likely to be a slave to what's in front of you, whereas I think in a photograph you tend to be more of a slave to what's in front of you. You sort of forget the essence of what you wanted to draw in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I think on our sketching trips, we as well, because obviously we're concentrating on people in general, we do do the odd building, but we do also try and capture some of the elements around them because they sort of put them in the place. So you might get the the vending store or the cups of coffee that are on the table. And and that is really challenging to work out, like you say, which bit to leave in and which bit to put out, which is actually going to add something to your drawing. And I, I'll tell you what, I love the way Koshikuna does this. If you haven't seen her work, and I'm sure a lot of you have, go and have a look because I really like the way she she'll leave elements white and then she'll colour elements in just to draw attention to certain things. And you can see how she's she's decided that a part of the background is not important, so she'll hardly put anything there. And I just love the way she does that. Yeah, and, and I do think white space is so important like that. You know, you don't have to draw everything. It's drawing just the important bits and like 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 you say, you could just put a bit of colour in that bit and leave the rest blank. And I think actually it's really effective. I've seen her drawings like that as well, and they are amazing. Yeah. You know? But I, th- I think the biggest difference I find when I draw from life is that it's far more memorable. So, you know, I take the experience away with me as well as a sketch. And when I look back at those sketches, I'm transported right back to that moment and all of the things that were going on around me at the time. And you just can't get that in a photograph. Um. I mean, when we went to Brighton, you know, we're sitting on the beach drawing those people. I, if I'd have just taken photographs, you know, I'd look through the photos and think, oh, yeah, we were, that's when we went to Brighton. But when I look at the sketches, we were there such a long time taking it all in, taking in all of the details and recording it in pen. And somehow, because of that, when I look at those sketches, I, I can feel, I know the wall I was sitting on, I can remember sliding off from the cushion, <laughs> you know, I, I could remember the smells, the sounds so much more than I could if we'd taken a photograph and I th- I think the results are less certain as well when you're drawing from life and I think that's a really good thing you remember um the sketch I did Tara of the street in London in the waterproof soluble pen yeah you know I had an idea of roughly what I wanted to do in my head 
But then all of a sudden there was this torrential downpour and my sketch got really wet. And of course it was water-soluble ink. My immediate reaction was that, you know, oh, it's, it's ruined before I've even got it done. But actually, you know, when we looked at it, you were like, wow, I love that. And now I look back in it, I think, God, it really does work. It sums up that wet day absolutely perfectly. And I don't think it would have been anywhere near as what it is if it had turned out how I'd hoped at the time. So, it, you know, it just goes to show, doesn't it? It's sometimes uncertainty is actually really good. Whereas if like it was from a photo, I'd have known it was going to turn out a certain way. But of course, sometimes it's not practical to draw or paint from life. So some of the paintings I've done, you know, in the past have been solely from photographs because there's been no choice. For example, I wanted to paint a soft boiled egg and I wanted to capture the yolk running down the side of the egg cup. And obviously I can't have I can't do that from life. <laughs> I can't do that, not unless I was going to paint a million miles an hour. And the recent painting I did of the hand, you know, holding the whiskey glass, you know, imagine Paul <laughs> standing there for like days holding that. You can't, some things you just can't do from life. It's as simple as that. Um, but sometimes I paint solely from life. So, for instance, the, don't you remember the painting I did with a cup and saucer with a lipstick mark? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was painted from life. Um Sometimes I paint from life with a photographic reference as kind of like a backup, so I have the benefit of both. So I've done this quite a lot, particularly when I've painted like a glass of, I don't know, brandy or rum or something like that. I always prefer um, working with the colours I'm seeing from life, but then I, I've caught the light with the camera and the shadows, so it means I'm not having to chase that. So that often quite, you know, works quite well for me, having a bit of both. I was thinking back to, you know, how if we draw something from a photo versus drawing from sketching, we know the drawing from a photo at the moment is going to be a lot better. Yeah. Apart from obviously, yeah, a lot better from the standpoint that if a person who didn't know us was to look at both drawings, Mm. they'd probably think the one from the photo was a better, they'd probably think it was different people and it was a better artist who drew the one from the photo. Yeah but and i think that is one of the issues with say social media uh, and that if you want to share your sketches because it makes you it makes you seem like you're a lesser artist if you if that makes sense now maybe this is just me but if if i post something i'll think i know i can draw better than this but i can't i, I can draw that is how well i can draw when i'm sketching outside yeah but it almost, uh, to put something out there, says that is how I draw. Oh, I know exactly you, how you mean. Do you know mean? what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I, I just think, I do wonder if a lot of people hold back on their sketches because, like me, they think, oh, you know, I've got this feed in my Instagram. I know you can share things in your thingy, in your story, but I've got this feed and, and they're kind of drawings that I've done from a photograph and, you know, I might have spent bit longer obviously some some people spend hours but then you've got this sketch that you've done in 15 minutes when you're outside that you really like because it kind of means something to you but when you share it it makes you feel like you're a bit you're not that great at drawing yeah I know I know what you mean by that yeah although there is a like I say you know there's an energy and a skill in a in drawing quickly isn't there and yeah I mean I like looking at sketches Mm. I must admit yeah but yeah I do wonder if that stops people sharing some of their drawings, that was all. Yeah, no, I I think you're probably right there. I do. But also I think one way photos are really great as well is for manipulating and experimenting with before you draw with them. So you can crop a photo to make a better composition. You can also adjust the colours to either make them moodier or brighter and punchier just to give you something to work with. Um, you can even distort them to create really interesting effects to draw and maybe even things that you wouldn't have considered before. And I've mentioned before, I've created faces where I've used a distortion app first on them as my starting point. They don't look the same when they're finished, but that's given me a starting point maybe I wouldn't have even considered without taking the app. So I think that's some somewhere where... A photo can give you ideas you perhaps wouldn't have otherwise have had or actually change the way you might paint something. Yeah. In a positive way. So speaking of manipulating before drawing, um, 
when I paint from life, that's where my shadow box comes in really handy. And I've talked about this before. So if I set something up in my shadow box, I can manipulate the light to exactly how I want it. And it'll stay that way, more or less. So it means I don't always need a photographic reference to work with as well. And I painted that rum and lime painting from life without any photo reference at all. But I'd never have been able to do that if I didn't have it set up in that shadow box. So there are always ways of making things easier for yourselves, particularly with um, still life, obviously. Can you just explain to people who haven't heard us talk about this before, the shadow box, what a shadow box is, where you get a shadow box, and how much they mm. are and that sort of thing? Uh, I can't remember how much. It's not expensive. I can't actually remember how much mine was. You you can get them even on Amazon if you just type in shadow box. And what it is, it's, it's like a box, obviously, and the front of it is open. And the, the sides and the top are made from a opaque sort of material. And then what it does is it blocks out the light, but the light can still permeate through it if you shine a light through it. So like um, in mine came with studio lights and you've got some warm lights and some cool lights. So if I wanted to put something in my shadow box, I can then put a cool light one side, maybe down low and or up high or whatever, and a warmer light the other side and you can manipulate that warmth and the coolness and the shadows and the positions of the the shadows you can pretty much freeze where the light is and where the shadows is without it moving too much yeah and so it's a lot easier to draw from life in that way and it's a bit like I suppose you could do portraits of someone if if you if you're doing a portrait of someone in natural light and the sun's moving around the studio then that's going to cause a problem whereas if you have them set up in a proper photographic studio where you've got the lights shining in a certain direction um and you've blocked out that natural light then it's a lot easier to draw your portrait because you're not having to chase that, those shadows. Yeah, you can get the look you want, can't you then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like having a miniature photographic studio, only your camera is outside and the studio is mini. <laughs> I, I think they're, I only, they're only like 20 or 30 pound aren't they these light boxes I don't think they're very dear yeah they're not very dear at all I'm pretty sure mine was only about oh, I wish I could remember now it was probably about 30 pound I suppose but yeah. like I say it comes with all the lights as well I I love it um photos are also really good for practicing different mediums like for example watercolors or oils which would be an absolute nightmare you know to start with on location so although we keep saying that we want to paint watercolors on location i wouldn't want to go out for the first time and try watercolors would you i've done about you we're having enough trouble getting them out even though we've done them before <laughs> it's that thing isn't it of you know watercolors you've got to get lots of stuff out whereas yeah. pens it's so easy I, I think that's probably what the issue is and i think also with watercolors you because we're maybe not as experienced outside with watercolours, mm. capturing something quickly is a lot harder, isn't it, than just grabbing a pen and kind of capturing someone before they've moved. Yes, exactly. I, mean, I suppose you do it after, you can do it afterwards, can't you, the watercolour, but we haven't yeah. done that yet. No. And I say, I mean, I've practised watercolours, I think it was last month or the month before I was doing, doing them, and sort of I can really, I can see an improvement that this day goes, goes on, but... I wouldn't have been able to do that quite the same unless I'd gone out, obviously, every day, which is not always practical to go out and do that. And drawing for photos, I think, also is great for practising because you can do a quick sketch whenever and wherever you are. I mean, obviously, you can do that if you like drawing anything, which I know some people do. So some people are quite happy to draw their keys or their carp. But to be honest, I try and do that. Sometimes I sit at night and I think, right, I'm going to draw something from life and... My partner gets drawn about 100 times. So I think, right, I'm going to draw my cup or we're going to draw the coffee table, but I really just don't enjoy it. It's just not for me. So, of course, if you've got a photo, you can draw that anywhere. You could fit that in your lunchtime. You could draw something out of a magazine. You could draw something off your phone. It's, you know, you can draw the thing you want when you want. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a great way of practicing, um, like you said, but after a while, it, it kind of gives you the confidence to have a go at drawing from life when you're out and about. So once you feel you've reached a reasonable level of drawing, then you're more likely to consider drawing in public. So for practice, I think that's where photos are really, really helpful in that way. And 
like we said before, it's it's also just not practical from to draw from life every day. So it's a good way of keeping up your skills in between the times when you can. Yeah, and I think also photos are fantastic as a reference point for a piece of art. So they, but they don't have to be taken literally. So you could do a quick search on Google or a photo library, find something as a starting point, but then it could be the character in something. You could create a cartoon with it. It could be maybe you're looking for a tree as an element of something you're drawing. You don't have to just literally take that image that you find online and the image, you know, paint the image as you see the image. You can use that as a starting point. Yeah, I, I think as well, photographs are a great way to draw things you might not otherwise get the chance to try. So perhaps you fancy drawing a rolling wave or, um, I mean, I, you wouldn't sort of want to do that on a boat, would you? <laughs> or perhaps you want to draw some exotic animals or I don't know a famous building or something and that's when photos can be so useful because it means we can have a go at drawing anything we like we don't have to actually be in front of it you don't have to go to New York you know to to draw draw the statue yeah to draw the statue of liberty or something You, you can do things like that from a photograph and I think a lot of people say oh you know drawing from photographs is cheating it's not cheating there is nothing wrong with drawing or painting from photographs as long as you don't forget the beauty of drawing from life and you don't forget to practice those skills as well and utilize them when you can do you know what I think would be really fantastic and I was looking up to see if it was available Kevin's got one of those um playstation 4s you know when you have the the glasses things on oh yes and he can't actually use it well he bought it because he really wanted it but it makes him feel sick oh yeah and i thought wouldn't it be fantastic if you could get say to be new york i don't want to play games i'm not interested i know some people love them but i'd love to be able to say okay, you can have New York or you can have somewhere in a country, like a beach or something, and put this thing on and it'd be the real thing. So you could almost navigate through the city. I, d- I, I know what you mean. I, d- I know exactly what you mean, but then how would you draw it? Because you've got the glasses no, on. No, I know. So that's, the, that's the only glitch. So there would need to be a way where you could peer down the bottom somehow or, or you could somehow see your sketch pad in front, of, in front of you when you look down. I haven't quite worked that bit out. Yeah. But you always need sort of a separate, like a little mirror going downwards to your sketchbook. Yeah. And you can look up. Yeah. But wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, it really would be cool, wouldn't it? (laughs) It'd be like a really fantastic Google Earth, but, you know. So if anyone's listening, we'd like that, please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so like you said, there are real pros and cons to both drawing from photos and drawing from life. But definitely try and draw from life when you can. It's a really great skill to have. And I, I think it really does improve your drawing. So now we're going to read out the answers to our previous question. And our question was, what's the craziest creative thing you've done or would like to do with a creative friend? Okay, so I've got Angela Murphy. I made a screen printed cigarette draft excluder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what friend she made it with. God, but apparently she made it for i think she made it for her mum or something who just quit smoking for a life oh, oh. <laughs> well I, done well done angela's mum <laughs> i probably got it wrong and it wasn't a mum i think she said it was um i've got alan green and he says i've written songs with a band i was playing for and performed them live on stage amazingly they worked oh brilliant that, oh brilliant. god oh, i'd love to be able to write music like that yeah i can write songs and can I can you? Write, yeah, I love writing. I could write a song easily. Well, lyrics, you mean? Yeah, lyrics. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And also, I, in my head, I can knock up a really catchy tune, and I'm really good at that. I can, and I can, if I, if somebody said, right, make up a tune, I could make up a, a really nice song and a tune in my head, but I have absolutely no idea how to get that piece of music down onto paper because I can't write music and I can't read music. So, yeah. It's you a shame, need a isn't musician. It? You need someone who can help you do it. Doesn't anyone you know? No, no. Oh. But I, I've, I can literally, in my head, I can make up really catchy tunes and think that would be a great song. You can't sing, can you? Yeah. Um, I can sing if it's um, very high-pitched, like... <laughs> like Cat wailing. Like, uh, yeah, like uh, Kate Bush. <laughs> I can sing like Enya. <laughs> Anything people don't really want to listen to. 
<laughs> but how no, about but you, you sing it and I'll try and play it on the recorder. <laughs> That would be a terrible collaboration. It would. <laughs> but if if I could write music, then yeah, I would well, love I to have been a songwriter. If you, I'm sure. I bet if you look online or look for an app, mm. I bet there's one where you can sing into it and it does the music. Because I'm sure you could do that with a the guitar. There was one that would. I don't know if it's Cubase or Cubase. This, I've messed about with them in the past, and you could do something and it would write the music. Hmm. I don't know. Never really thought of trying anything like that, really. Well, I will be expecting that to be our new theme tune. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, if we want to lose all our listeners in the first two minutes. (laughs) Oh, God. Who are we on now? It's you. John John Monroe. John Monroe, I'm currently creating with lovely people from the USA, India and Australia. I'm having so much fun and learning from so many fabulous, kind, funny people. Yeah, John's been um, putting a book together, hasn't he? And that's included some of the people from our group and some of the people from his writing group. And if anyone wants to go and have a look... Kirsty Close, who's also in a group, on our Facebook page, she's recently done an interview with John Monroe that's really quite interesting, a video interview, and he just talks about the collaborations he's doing, a little bit about himself. It's quite an interesting listen. He also got some tips for writing because he's very into writing. That was uh, Facebook Live, wasn't it? But you can go back and watch them, can't you? Yeah. And then we've got Gabriella Pop, and she says, painting the walls of her exhibition room days before its deconstruction. Deconstruction? Deconstruction, I think she means. I was going to say. Oh, maybe it was being taken down, I think. Yeah. Georgina Scott, once upon a time when we were young teens, me and a friend were happily collecting sea glass and not realising that the tide was coming in. We got cut off on a little bit of bay. I had to lift her up a seawall and she had to pull me up. Obviously, we had to take our finds with us, though, which included a brick. That said brick, which at the time I found hilarious. <laughs> so I passed everything up before being rescued. Moral of the story, always check your tide times and don't save bricks. I actually still have that brick. <laughs> I've got a funny story about this. So we used to take our kids rock pooling and they the kids would be looking around the rock pools. Now, Paul decided one day, wouldn't it be fun if we took a, like a throwaway barbecue? Yeah. And I could sort of... I don't know, make some, cook some sausages on a barbecue. The kids can do their rock pooling. And he, he went off with his fishing rod. Anyway, so off we went. Kids were doing their rock pooling. Paul was off playing with his fishing rod, not far away or anything like that. We were all kind of milling around. I was doing these sausages. Anyway, I then went off with the kids while the sausages were like um, balanced on this rock cooking away. I went off with the kids because they wanted to show me something they'd found. So off I went. Anyway, the next thing I know, I see these sausages floating (laughs) off into the sea. (laughs) They're passing Paul. I was like, Paul, Paul, quick. He was like, what? I said, go and get the sausages. He had his his waders on. He was like, what? (laughs) And there was these sausages on this this, um, foil barbecue just floating past. So he had to go and he had to try and rescue these sausages. And I was thinking, do you know, you could just imagine, can't you, some poor person cast away who'd floated off on a lilo somewhere who thought they were going to die and then suddenly they could smell sausages. It was like, what is that? They'd (laughs) probably die of salmonella, the uncooked sausages. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was really funny, though. You had to be there, but it was really funny. I used to be terrified of tides coming in. I remember being on beaches with mum and dad and I'd go, what time, what time, what time's the time tide come in? I was terrified. Yeah, well, we, we should have been terrified because once it started coming in, it started coming in really, really quickly. So we really had to get our, you know, ourselves into gear and get out of there fairly quick. Um, but yeah, we just got the times a little bit wrong. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. we didn't have, I don't know, if, I can't even remember if we had time to eat our sausages in the end, but they didn't oh, need seasoning. I can't believe you still ate them. <laughs> <laughs> Very salty. Anyway, we have a brand new question for you, which is, uh, what is your favourite colour and how would you describe it to a blind person? And I think that's a really interesting question. You know, I looked at that and thought, nobody's going to answer that one. Really? Yeah. Oh, no, I, see, I totally disagree. What's because your favourite? It depends if the blind person has always been blind 
I was getting into this quite deeply. It depends if they've always been blind or if they did once no colour. Well, no, it would have to be someone who's always been blind, wouldn't it? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So what about you? What's your favourite colour and how would you describe it to a really blind person? I got a favourite colour. I do quite like purple. Hmm. Hmm. And I have, have no a, have idea. Have a think for next time. Have a think for next how time. How would you describe? What is your favourite colour? <laughs> I've got lots of favourite colours. I love I pink. Think. I love pink. I'm not afraid to say I love pink. <laughs> <laughs> and I love orange as well, but a specific shade of orange. But I don't know. I think if I was going to describe the colour orange to someone, maybe I would... I would let them smell things, you know, like spices and zesty, you know, orange and, you know, I don't know. It's really hard, <laughs> isn't it? But, oh yeah, I describe it as heat and it's it's a really hard question. I thought it was a really interesting question. So I, I hope people do answer because I'm dying to know what they'd say. So as always, you can tweet us your answers at Kit Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group, which you haven't joined, I suggest you do. We'll also put the question up there and also on the Facebook page and of course on our Instagram page, Kick in the Creatives. And don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And of course, there you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you are enjoying the podcast, we'd be really grateful if you'd leave us just a little review on iTunes or even just a star rating if you don't have much time. Yeah, and if you're not on iTunes, we'd be grateful if you just share, maybe share the podcast with a friend or two just to let more people know about it. And also, don't forget to check out and subscribe to our weekly YouTube videos, which are Arc- we call Arc Hit Sundays. They're lighthearted and fun, but also informative too. And don't forget, if you do enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support Kicking the Creatives, you can now support us by buying us a coffee. And in return, we'll post a thank you video of us sporting a frothy coffee moustache just for you. And you can find the link on our website. And that's, and that's it, I think, it. for today, think- isn't it? Yeah. That's it, yeah, and we'll see you again soon. See ya, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon. Thanks for that info. Urban Dictionary, obviously. I was going to say, I'm sure flaccid just means, like, floppy, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it tends to be used in that, <laughs> that way. Hence <coughs> me, chocolate. Because flaccid can be used, but it's just that is a way it gets used. You know uh, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I've never had much experience with flaccid. <laughs> Hence why I really sort of wasn't thinking about it like that. <laughs> but to be honest, I haven't had that much experience with it either. But... <laughs> <laughs>